Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hello and welcome to the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and here's what is making news this week. Shane Van Gisbergen is a NASCAR Cup Series race winner. The Kiwi shocked the racing world with victory on the streets of Chicago in the Trackhouse Project 91 entry on Sunday. It is the first time in 60 years that a driver has won their first NASCAR race. And he's free to head to NASCAR full-time as soon as next year too, according to AAA boss Jamie Winker. In other Supercars Stars Overseas news, Chaz Mostert was part of the Pro-Am winning lineup of the 24 Hours of Spa along with Nicky Katzberg, Martin Conrad and Adam Osaka. The latter was drafted in to replace Kenny Habul, who was injured in a pre-qualifying crash that meant the team had to build up a new car and then start from pit lane. The Supercars parody review is in full swing with Dick Johnson Racing undertaking aero testing at Queensland Raceway last Friday. Critical CFD data is due from the UK tonight and changes are expected by this weekend. That is, of course, when the Repco Supercar season continues on the streets of Townsville, while Super 2 will also make its first appearance on the bill since the Perth Super Sprint. Premier Racing Team Principal Matt Cook has taken leave from the team. The role will be taken over by team owner Peter Gibberus in the interim. Tickford driver Declan Fraser has switched from number 56 to number 777, a number he raced with a lot in his junior career for this weekend's trip to Townsville as it's a home race of sorts for the boy brought up in Mackay. Nick Perkett has launched his own kart team, the WAU driver to run the factory-backed Alonso Kart program in the Australian Karting Championship. And Tony Quinn will return to the scene of his frightening Porsche crash last year with an Aussie racing car outing in Townsville this weekend. Joining me this week to discuss all that and more as a teammate that has eaten nothing but white bait fritters and deep dish pizza since Monday morning to celebrate the coming together of New Zealand and Chicago, Stefan Bartholomeus. Stefan, did you enjoy the first annual SVG day? Hello, Andrew. How could you not enjoy the spectacle that was I mean, I still can't stop thinking about it today, to be honest. Like, it was such an amazing win, but then all the reaction from the NASCAR drivers and community afterwards, that's been just as cool as the actual race. And I think for NASCAR to discover Shane Van Gisbergen and street racing on the same day, it's it's been a lot for some of those guys to take in. I have to say I'm quite embarrassed, really, because, um, you know, my prediction that Shane would win that race by a lap fell well short. Instead, it was a tense uh, although ultimately very well-controlled overtime win that made history for SVG in Chicago. A couple of points, like you mentioned the reaction there. I have to say it has been amazing. Like Denny Hamlin basically talking himself into naming Shane as the greatest athlete of all time on his own podcast. Um, Chase Elliott talking about how embarrassed, you know, like how embarrassing it is that he's going to go back to Australia and tell all his mates um, how bad those guys are at driving these race cars. It seems a lot... They're quite easily humbled 
these guys. Like it's very different. Like, like everyone still talks about how fat the motor in the Andy Prio Matthias Ekstrom car was at Bathurst when they came over and did fairly well. No one was like, oh, this is amazing. How good are these guys? Whereas these guys just sit back and go, mm, this guy's incredible. Yeah, the reactions were have really been a mix of sort of amazement and a little bit of embarrassment in there as well, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, if this was if this was Australia, like all we'd be talking about was the fact that the top five cars in the race were Chevrolets. Yeah, well, that's, that's also true. And I, I will also say that um, I'm glad that you're not making a NASCAR cameo anytime soon because uh, the commentators really struggled with Van Gisbergen, so I don't know how they'd go with um, – Bartholomeus, that would be a bit of a tongue twister for him, I would think. They, they seem to uh, yeah, struggle with that the whole day. And I think um, yeah. it, it's a lot of the things in there sort of showed um, how good the Supercars TV product is. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that was clearly one of them, like uh, not being able to pronounce his name. You think they could have sorted that out? You would definitely think so. I can't imagine that a driver would come into supercars and Neil Crompton would do no research on how to pronounce the guy's name at all. Um, what I do always find amazing is the stat on drivers born outside the US to have won a Cup Series race. Like Shane is just the sixth driver to do so. Two of them, Daniel Suarez and Earl Ross, were from neighbouring North American countries, Mexico and Canada. One of them is Mario Andretti, who was born in Italian territory but also held US citizenship. Like that's really something, right? Yeah, it is, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that list evolves over the next few years because this result may really open the floodgates. Like clearly, the teams are already cottoning on to the talent that they can bring in from supercars and other series. Like we've seen, Kimi Raikkonen and Jensen Button have a couple of goes recently, and Kamui Kobayashi is doing the Indy Road Course, and it looks like Brody Kostecki will be over there for that one as well. So. It's traditionally been such a closed shop, but I think this broadening of the base is going to be a good thing for NASCAR because international drivers can really help them grow interest in the championship globally. Like when you look at the following the big US ball sports have around the world and the media rights and revenues that go with that, there's a huge growth potential still here for NASCAR. And, you know, yeah. they captured a lot of attention with that Garage 56 project at Le Mans, and this is just perfectly timed off the back of that. Absolutely. Um, obviously, the race was spectacular to watch. What I really enjoyed was that it was every bit of trademark SVG win. You know, the way he came through the field late in the race, the moves on Chase Elliott and Justin Haley, like they were classic SVG moves. I think it was a big education for the NASCAR paddock and fan base on just how exciting this bloke is. Yeah, I mean, clearly I can talk about other international drivers potentially coming into NASCAR, but yeah, I'm not sure if anyone in the world would be able to do what Shane did there. I mean, it was the perfect scenario for him with it being a new street race, but he was just phenomenal. Like not only the speed and the overtakes at the end, but the way he managed everything early on and didn't make mistakes like the other quick guys did. Like there's yep. just so many variables in those races that can end your chances you know, including just being taken out by other cars, which we talked about last week. And I think with that, the fact they weren't doing the double file restarts and the fact that restart line was before the final corner, both of those things really helped make those restarts less chaotic. So that, yeah. that helped. But, you know, he was burnt by the way the race was shortened. Yeah. It, it didn't stop him. It just made it even more impressive. He was able to pass all these guys and they were able to have a really clear view out of the windscreen as he drove away from them. 
it's amazing, like the just the format and the way they run things. Where they're like, we better shorten this race because the light is fading, and then they're like, but also we're just going to keep it going until like it finishes under green. Like we're actually going to extend, like we're going to shorten the race and then extend it by two laps at the end. It's a funny sort of um, system that they use. But yeah, it, it was interesting there that like here they would have run it until they had to call it, you know, time yeah. certain or whatever, and there would be all this angst at the end about the fact we didn't get a full race. But they sort of nip it in the bud earlier and just say, right, we're chopping 25 laps out, and then it feels like we get a proper finish and it's not that negativity at the end. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, surely the odds on a full-time move for Shane to NASCAR have uh, shortened to almost nothing. Um, I still sort of can't shake the suspicion that he could take off at the end of this year, and Jamie Winkup has just said today that he's free to go if he wants to. But I guess the more likely option that he does more races in NASCAR next year to keep that learning process evolving, sees out his contractual obligation with Triple Eight here and then heads over full-time in 2025. Um if that's the case, maybe Cam Waters will want to let that single-year option at Tickford roll over for next year and then be ready to swap energy drinks, you know, the year after that. Yeah, this whole supercar silly season is just so intriguingly poised and it's really two years in one, isn't it? Because it's 2024 yeah. and 2025 at the same exactly. time. And, and yeah, Jamie has just massively fueled this willy wonty Shane thing yep. for next year with what he said today. So... Yeah, there's, there's a bit to play out and, and Cam Waters is fully embroiled in this and it would be a logical choice for Triple Eight to, to put Cam in whenever Shane goes. But I don't know if it's that straightforward for Cam because he seems to have some level of overseas ambition as well and he's yep. worked hard to get this great connection with Monster and also with Ford in the US. So, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to want to give that up or which way he's going to go. So that then... If Cam is not the guy for Triple Eight, it's even more intriguing as to who else is out there that uh, they would actually go for. Yeah, well, again, Brody's another one you'd have on the list, but he's probably in exactly the same boat. You know, it seems pretty clear that he sees his future in NASCAR as well, and that Supercars is just a stop on the way to get there. So, yeah, you're right. It's fascinating to see which direction they could go if all these other options disappear from them. I just can't help but feel, and maybe this is just me wanting it to happen, but the fact that the path is clearing for just this miraculous Richie Stanaway return, mm. it would just be yep. an incredible story if he could get into the top team full-time from the depths of where he was at the end of 2019. Like, yeah, I don't know if that's even in the conversation, but, um, yeah, I think he's going to go really well in these endurance races and uh, – I hope he's at least in the picture. Let's make it the com let's make it the conversation, Stefan. We are well known to be as being Richie fanboys, so let's just go with it. Uh, let's have a bit of a listen to the post-race reaction from Chicago, Stefan, because there was plenty there. Um, one thing that caught my ear straight away was crew chief Darian Grubb talking about how he had an inkling Giz would win this race after the test at the Charlotte Roval on the Monday before. Here's what he had to say. Honestly, for me, I would say it was Monday when we did the test at the Roval. I have to give kudos to NASCAR for letting us swap that program up and work more for the safety. We weren't allowed to do any setup changes or anything with it. It's just going to make laps. But being able to work on seat belts, steering column, brake pedals, and obviously with the awesome foot cam that was on there this week, everybody gets to see his footwork. So just adjusting brake pedals and pads and the throttle pedal and those things, that was critical for him to be comfortable in a car and be able to do what he could do. So thank you to those guys for changing that program 
know, making it now where it can work about the safety and the consistency. But then that day, watching his disciplined approach of managing tire wear, let him do a long run. We did 26 laps there at the end of the test, just let him feel how the tires would fall off. We were running part of the Legends course on the backstretch, so it's nothing that even correlates to anything we do on a racetrack. But those are corners that he felt like he could go attack and understand what it would be for a 90-degree corner somewhere. So those things – you see his talent level and you see his questioning of his own ability. And he wanted to go in there and try it five different ways. And you just sit there and watch. We don't have data on the car or anything, but you can see him learning with every lap. And he could do consistent laps all day long. And then when we got to the simulator later than the week, watching how he had studied what the other guys had done and being able to go out there lap three and beat their lap times in most cases – was pretty impressive and, and his feedback in the car matched exactly what we were expecting with simulation programs and everything we do with Chevrolet having their background over there and what we have here with Chevrolet it was really awesome to see that feedback all match up now Darren has been at this a while and he's worked with the likes of Tony Stewart Denny Hamlin and Carl Edwards here's what he had to say about where Giz stacks up uh, I should say, like professionalism and everything else, uh, he's very similar to all those. And I've been extremely fortunate in my career to be able to work with some of the names, like you said, Jimmy Johnson, Casey Mears, all those guys all had different qualities. And I think Shane's definitely got some of those same qualities himself. He's just a leader. Uh, he came in very studious. He wanted to know. He, he was excited about Nashville and like the commitment level he had. They left early from the Nashville race, even though the one won didn't do the party because he knew we had to do the robo test the next morning. He wanted to be back and be fresh and stuff for that. We got him in bed about two o'clock in the morning for it. So it was still a long night, but that type of professionalism and the, the commitment to what he wanted to do to come and improve himself and be prepared. He asked all the right questions. If he didn't know what question to ask, he would say basically, what am I not asking? And we sat and talked a lot and we ran through all the scenarios and I have to say he was very well prepared. Now, here's what Shane had to say in the post-race presser, and here he is talking about how he felt the race played out. I guess this is my sort of bread and butter, the street circuits. We do almost half of our series races are street street circuits, so I'm comfortable with the walls. Um, took me a bit to learn the proximity of the car, um, having the car on the other side of me, so I was missing apexes turning left and struggling turning right to know where that side of the car was. Um, but, yeah, I got... I got better and better and in qualifying I left a lot on the table like it's very intimidating on these straights you have a 90 degree corner and no runoff so I left a lot on the table on braking and every lap today I was learning and getting better but those guys are good in the wet you know the tire was so different to anything I'm used to but they were straight into it and and just into it and when I got on the slicks again I was probably a bit too timid and um, the guys were all over me the next restart I was just trying to find my feet a bit and figure out how everyone races and, and what it's like. And, you know, everyone's good and the passes they were making were committed. And, you know, I, I probably was a bit too nice to some people, but, you know, that's that's how it was. And then coming back through the field, I thought, you know, once the race got shortened, we had to pit to be able to make it on fuel. And 
thought it was going to be difficult from 18th and you know I don't know the paint schemes that well or the numbers so I was kind of re- trying to read the numbers on the windscreen to figure out who people were when I come up on them and um, you know kind of remember who's good and who's not and yeah had some really good battles coming through some guys waved to me and some guys battled hard which was really cool um, and everyone was clean and I got a couple of taps I tapped a couple of people and there was that crazy restart at turn 11. Um, the spotter was going off. I've never raced with a spotter before and I normally would have just barreled on and joined the crash. So it was pretty cool to, to see how that side of it works. As big as the win was, Shane still stopped short of naming it as his favourite. Yeah, it's obviously pretty high, but um, it's still like supercars is my dream and you know, winning that championship and, and races like Bathurst over there are still top of the list. But to come in and do this, like, yeah, I don't know where it ranks yet. It's still sinking in, but it's obviously one of the most special victories I've ever had. And yeah, to share it with so many people, to have my dad come over and a few other family and yeah, like the team, how how awesome this team is. Like, it's great. Trackhouse is such a cool organization to be part of. Like the atmosphere and the teams, I've never really experienced anything like it before. Here's what he had to say about the ergonomics of the car and sitting on the left-hand side. Yeah, I guess that's something I've been quite diverse in in the last few years. So my rally car last year was left-hand drive and uh, changed gears with the right hand. So fairly similar, but it's been a long time since I've driven anything without a flat shift. So learning the technique and timing, how to change gears quick. I was a bit slow on the straights yesterday and I think I got a bit better today, but a little bit different, but... I got comfortable, like the team really helped me to get comfortable. We ran out of adjustment a little bit to get the brake pedal in the spot that I liked. I couldn't get it far enough to the right. But um, otherwise, I was, I was very comfortable in the car. And yeah, the, the most difficult thing on a street track was the car on the other side, having that metre and a half of metal on that side instead of the left. It, was, it just took a little bit and I, I probably left a bit on the table with that. And of course, the big one, what about a full-time NASCAR ride in the future? I miss racing in the States. Like I've done Daytona four or five times now and just the way the American people are and how they go racing, it's so much more enjoyable and even doing the media stuff, which I hate. Like everyone here is really nice. They ask good questions and, you know, they're, they're respectful and it goes both ways. So, yeah, everyone here has made me feel comfortable and it's so enjoyable the way the races are run, like the qualifying at Nashville, I couldn't believe how relaxed everyone was, but then it was like a switch, the intensity turns on and away it goes. So yeah, I'm committed next year to supercars. I, I still love supercars and hope it, hope it goes well there, um, but in 25, who knows? Now joining Shane for his wild NASCAR ride was his regular race engineer from Supercars, Andrew Edwards, who was drafted in at the last minute to offer some street circuit advice to Trackhouse Racing. I grabbed AE for a chat about the whirlwind week in the States while he was jetting his way back to Australia. And here it is. So just tell me about that experience. How did you get roped into this uh, in the first place? And what was the experience like over the over the course of that week? Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's a bit of a surprise, the whole thing, but it, it um, Trackhouse kind of reached out and, uh, you know, asking me some questions about Shane and, um, and a little bit about, you know, how, how we might look at street tracks and things like that, and, you know, in supercars. And then we, you know, we kind of got chatting from there and then, um, yeah, and then they offered to, to, to bring me over and kind of help, 
you know, in, 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 this, in a small way, you know, um, kind of bridge the gap between Shane and the engineers in a way. So, um, and, and also it was just a, an amazing learning experience for me just to see how, how they operate, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, it was, um, it was an incredible opportunity. Did, did you find that your experience, you know, did help them in terms of trying to set the cars up? The cars are obviously similar in some ways, but different in the yeah. other. Shane mentioned that, you know, it's the underbody that makes the downforce and that sort of stuff. How 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 useful do you think your yeah, street circuit they, knowledge they are was? They quite a different car. And obviously, you know, I, I didn't get involved in, in the setup uh, to a large degree. You know, it's it was really kind of conversations about philosophical conversations, I guess, Um uh, so yeah, track house and um, do all that did all that work, but but yeah, it was just you know it's just I guess for them thought provoking on on how how what we do and and the setup they hadn't done anything like this before and uh, it's a real departure from how they set up their their car normally because like you say it's a very high downforce car but uh, this track is very bumpy so uh, you know it, it was a new and challenge and they hadn't kind of been to that place before so it, you know I can't say that I helped them but but at the same time if it gave them some confidence to kind of go down a road um, then uh, I think I think we got we got a bit of that yeah, so Shane talked about, you know, the, the, the scale of the team, the um, how advanced the simulator programs are, the pit stop yeah. practice, the effort that goes into pit stop practice. Did you find that you maybe picked up a few things, you know, during the week that you might be able to bring back to Triple Eight and to supercars? Yeah, I think you, you can never do an experience like that without taking something away, you know, just on, on how they operate, you know, the level that they're at. Um, just just little details. I mean, I was saying in supercars and and Triple Eight in particular, they, they they work at a very high level. So it's it's not it's not chalk and cheese, but they do have a few more resources than we do. Like you say, like the, the driver loop simulator would be the kind of the biggest one that, that I see. Um, but obviously, um, and and the pit stops, they're they're dedication to the pit stops in terms of the commitment of only having crew that just do pit stops and they're out there every day. So, um, so yeah, they're just working in a little bit of a different area. Obviously, they've got the resource and they do 38 rounds so they, yeah. they, they can have some, you know, dedicated people where, you know, we're just, we're just set up a little bit differently. But, but I'll say our people in supercars are, could go over there and, and work on at any level, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. You know, we're, we're lucky that we, we have such good people in Australia. And just a word on Shane and his driving. I mean, it was such a typical SVG drive. There was yeah. sort of a sense of, um, you know, deja vu when you watch it and you think, yeah, I've seen I've seen this movie before. I mean, the yeah. guy's a freak, isn't he? He really is. It's something else. I mean, I, I tell you, you know, it's just hard to believe kind of how it plays out. You know, we, we all know what he's like and what he's capable of, but then when you see it happen there in the moment, it's, it's, it's still it's still a bit shocking, you know what I mean? He shouldn't yeah. been able to do what he what he did. Like it, it, he shouldn't have been able to go there with, with not knowing that car and things like that, and and uh, have that success. But yeah, I thought we were in trouble when when we got put down to 18th. You know, in that that kind of unfortunate sequence of you know shortening the race. But but then once I saw he got past a few and uh, and and he could pass, you know. It, it just he just kept rolling and 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 that that is he loves to be the hunter you know i yeah. think he loves that situation and and um 
yeah, I said to the said to the said to the engineers partway through that we're on here because he's just he's got the eyes on and he was just so much faster than everyone else. It was, I mean, he was seconds faster than everyone else. So, uh, and he can pass like he can do in supercars. You know, yeah. he's one of the only guys that can can do it. Can really pull that pull that kind of strategy off. So, um, well, more or less, he recovered the strategy. I'd say because um, you know they, they cut the race short after that. Um, safety car and all the all the teams that had stayed out really really got um, burnt there, but he recovered it. And we thank AE for his time there while travelling. I did ask him how he pulled up, and he said he had pulled up uh, better than others. Was the uh, the quote, and that's all he had to say about that. So anyway, let's move on to supercars, Stefan. And there's been some movement on the parity front with DJR holding an aero test at Queensland Raceway last Friday. As it stands, supercars is waiting on CFD data from the UK, which is due to lob this evening. That being Tuesday, recommendations are likely to be made to the homologation teams tomorrow, and it is very likely that we will have aero changes to the Mustang, and they will be made in time for practice one in Townsville this weekend. So we'll watch that space and see what happens in the next couple of days. Um, Speaking of Townsville, let's have a bit of a preview of the 500. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one, Stefan. It'll be interesting to bring back the street circuit element and the long distance racing and the heat and see if it translates to the form that we've kind of seen um, on average over the first five uh, rounds of the season, uh, namely the Erebus versus Triple Eight battle. Um, this is generally a good track for Triple Eight. Uh, Brock Feeney has been in some wonderful form. Erebus will be looking at a bit of a bounce back after a slight lull in Darwin. Uh, Giz will be battling both the heat, which he hates, and jet lag, so that could be very interesting. I'm not sure he'll be as giving in any press conferences he's in over the weekend as he was in the post-Chicago which is understandable uh, and we also have no idea what this Ford parity tweak you know if it happens as is expected to might bring uh, anyway fancy having a crack at a prediction of what we could see this weekend Stefan well that's a pretty uh, tough ask with that uh, parity elephant just uh, sitting in the corner of the room but I yeah. think aside from that yeah the big story is going to be Shane and whether he just rides this wave in from Chicago and cleans up in Townsville or if there's actually a bit of a hangover there like um, last year there were only two events where he didn't win a race and they were Darwin and Adelaide so Darwin was a week after Le Mans which he'd which he'd run in a Ferrari and the other one was after he'd already won the championship in Adelaide so the preparation and perhaps the concentration at those two events wasn't quite normal and yeah as you say Townsville it's been a real triple eight track in the past and Brock Feeney is in amazing form so this could be an opportunity for Brock to actually stamp some authority on the season. Absolutely. I think the heat will be an interesting factor. I know we talked about it a lot for Darwin as the cooling systems went back into the cars for the first time since Newcastle, but they were just such short races there. And, you know, I don't think the ambient will be quite as high in Townsville this weekend, but the races are a lot longer. Um, So I think this will be a big test for those teams that struggled with the heat uh, in Newcastle earlier this year and we've also got super two back for the third time this year um there will be plenty of eyes on ryan wood given his clean sweep in perth and his role in the supercar silly season so far as i mentioned after darwin he is a target for team 18 for next year and while it would make sense that is a loan deal from wau or a loan deal could be on the table i'm not sure that's how this is playing out i think team 18 want him outright all for themselves um, there's a lot of young, exciting talent in the category this year, Steph, and we've covered that off plenty this year. I reckon, you know, back on a street course, these will be must-watch races. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to the Super 2 races. Like, There's a lot of focus at the moment on Ryan Wood, as you say, after his results in Perth, but there are eight or ten blokes who look like they're capable of winning races in that series yep. at the moment, which is hugely exciting. And I just hope the Super 2 field is able to get through some clean racing on a street circuit because Townsville was particularly bad last year. I think yes. two-thirds yep. of their laps will run under yellow. So, yeah, hopefully um, they can get through some clean racing and, uh, yeah, we see who comes out on top. Before we turn our attention overseas, Stefan, I have something that you might be interested in, and that is the last Gibson V8 supercar, which is up for grabs right now. The car was raced by Neil Crompton in 2002, and then Mark Noski and Neil and Rick Bates in 2003. It's ready to race in the V8 Touring Car Series right now. Price on application, but knowing the cash you're on, Stefan, that won't be an issue at all. What do you reckon? Are you ready to join the V8 TC grid? I did see this car in the V8 Sleuth online showroom, and thought it was a pretty neat piece of history back when this car was with wps racing it was actually tested by boxing champ kostya zoo so oh, uh, maybe yes. we need to get him into the kumo series with this rig i did an opinion piece with uh with costa about about that that is a, as, as in you were writing thing. the opinion that maybe he like wouldn't well, be any good so you, so no brave? No, 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 uh, no. So in the motorsport news days, we used to obviously like interview someone, but then mm-hmm. turn it into an opinion piece. So it was basically you take their quotes and form an opinion piece based on what that said. So um, it was not hard hitting opinion, but it was him talking about that. So yeah, very, uh, very interesting. Anyway, as you mentioned, any if anyone else out there is uh, interested in buying this uh, boxing superstar car, head to the V8 Sleuth website for more details. All right, let's take a look at what happened around the world over the weekend. Max Verstappen scored a seventh win of the Formula 1 season at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. Charles Leclerc finished second and Sergio Perez third, while Oscar Piastri had a race to forget in 17th. In Formula 2, the sprint race win went to Jack Crawford and the feature to Richard Vashore, while in F3, Paul Leron won the sprint and Zach O'Sullivan won the feature. Alex Pillow took a third straight IndyCar win in emphatic fashion at Mid-Ohio from Scott Dixon and Will Power, while Scott McLaughlin finished fifth, Simon Pagano missed the race after a frightening rollover in practice, and circling back to the Spa 24, the outright win went to the row racing BMW of Nick Yellowly, Marco Whitman and Philip Eng. There was tragedy at Spa 2 with the death of 18-year-old Delano Van Hoff after a crash in the Formula Regional race. Okay, Castro mailbag time. We had a few questions about this from the likes of Adam Logan and Paul Tilley. And the question is, does SVG now qualify for the NASCAR playoffs? And if so, would he go and have a crack at it? Well, I took this question to my NASCAR guys at Motorsport Network, and it turns out you can only qualify for the playoffs if you have attempted to start every race. And the car doesn't qualify for the team's playoff either, as it's only made the starts that it has with Kimi and Giz. But... As we've covered off, I reckon Giz will get his shot at the playoffs soon enough. Alrighty, let's hand out some Castrol stars of the week. Stefan, I think we need to join forces this week. Given the start, anybody except Shane just doesn't feel right to me. Are you happy to combine and uh, give him the double star treatment, the first ever double star? Yeah, I think that's a yeah, it's a good call. It's the only appropriate way to end this uh this episode, we did have a few people calling it the Shane Van Gisbergen podcast after Newcastle this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, apologies to that minority that's probably <laughs> not enjoying um, all the uh, success and the accolades that's following him this week. 
Yeah, buckling crew because we're going even bigger, <laughs> even bigger, more gears. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, that's it for this week. Remember to like, subscribe, and review our work wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll be back next week with more Castrol Motorsport news. Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here. And yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication and so much more for all sorts of makes, models and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 W Racing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.